my grandmother in, when she lived in South High Point, uh, actually South High Point on Main Street. Some of you may even, may even remember that. It's, it's sort of a, you know, one of those, like, really? You know, back where people can remember that long ago. Anyway, um, my grandmother had a Japanese persimmon tree. And I love to climb that tree and pick and eat the luscious fruit. Now, these persimmons tasted just like our native seed-packed persimmons, but without the pucker and with way more pulp. My brother Tim planted one and brought a fruit to my house to share in the fall. And seeing my pure covetousness, Tim went home and ordered me one for my yard. It showed up in winter right before the worst cold snap with instructions to plant as soon as it arrived. We watched it all through the spring, and I really believed that I saw some evidence of swelling leaf buds about May. But as time passed, we knew we were going to have to pull up that tree. By the end of June, there was no hope that it could still possibly be alive. We ignored it. When I was out of town the last few days in July, my husband called to say that he had just happened to glance at that persimmon and that it had little tiny leaves coming out all over it at the end of July. New life appearing when least expected. And the promise of much fruit to come. And it was no surprise to us that this year the leaves came out in April as they should. According to the Gospels, Jesus uses the image of fruit as a means of discerning whether we are rightly oriented Godward or not. In Matthew 3, John the Baptist tells the religious people coming for baptism to bear fruit befitting repentance. To repent simply means to turn. To repent is to turn our faces back to the light, back to God, to once again take our rightful size and place and shape exactly as we were each created to be, whether we can feel it in the moment or not. I would suggest that this turning is the essential movement of the spiritual life. We are to turn and to turn and to keep our eyes on God, to have our lives oriented toward ultimate goodness. The opposite of a God focus would be a life oriented toward me, my, and mine. Jesus uses the image of fruit to help us tell the one from the other. The passage I read from Matthew 7 comes at the end of the Sermon on the Mount. How do we know if teachers and prophets are from God or not? By their fruits, you shall know them, Jesus says. 
he says that people will cry, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do many deeds of power in your name? And that he will declare to them, I never knew you, go away. We might say, Lord, Lord, did we not feed the homeless and give our money and pray for peace? It's easy for us to think about those people and be critical. But how do we know that Jesus isn't talking to us? These people who cried, Lord, Lord, were doing good things. So how do we know? The wise person, Jesus says, is the one who hears his words and acts on them like one who builds a house on rock, on a solid foundation, the wise person will obey the commands of Jesus. Now, if we only look at the commands in the Sermon on the, on the Mount, these commands include take the log out of your own eye and don't judge and don't be anxious and don't be fearful, which makes you judge in the first place. They include love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. They include the command to keep your eyes single and God-focused. Yes, this passage from chapter 7 begins by talking about wolves in sheep's clothing. But the commands in the Sermon on the Mount hold up a mirror to us. We want to look at those people and discern whether they're good or not whether they're Christian or Quaker or like us or whatever. And as Jesus keeps saying, yeah, but how are you doing? Early friends spoke of the seed Christ within each of us. I love that image. We each have this Christ seed within us from which love will grow and bear all kinds of fruit. We can help nourish it and prune away the things shading it out. We all know that life fertilizes it regularly. We often notice it as it bears a variety of fruit. Has the seed Christ set down roots in your life? Like my little persimmon tree, putting down roots for months. We don't see this work happening, but we wake up one day and we notice new life stirring in our limbs and new growth. Just like my little tree, the Christ seed has its own timing. It will grow into different shapes and on different timetables in each of our lives. In Galatians 5, and 23, Paul gives us the clearest snapshot of what Christ fruit will look like as it grows from that Christ plant taking shape within us. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, kindness, gentleness, faith, self-control, generosity, and patience. The evidence 
of the Christ seed growing into wholeness in me, in you, is that we are kinder to one another than we used to be. Not nicer. I can be nice to your face and rip you to shreds behind your back. We Southerners are real good at that, if you haven't noticed. Nice is a mask that we put on. Kindness grows from different roots than acting nice does. As the Christ spirit grows in us, we find ourselves becoming more and more patient and gentle where we might have been harsh or careless in the past. When I was in high school, I remember being very, very impatient with my grandfather who had dementia and was incredibly slow. And he repeated himself over and over. So it was a real surprise to me for my family to start telling me how patient I was with the older people in my life. And as they said that to me, I could really begin to see evidence of that patience fruit where I had only seen barren ground before. We will find the fruit of peace growing within us, a deep sense of peace that others will be drawn to. You know, I've never responded very well to people who talk about peace but who are angry or manipulative. If the Prince of Peace is bearing fruit within us, we won't have to browbeat people into coming onto our side or try to make them feel guilty for not having the same calling that we have. As the fruit of generosity is manifest, yes, we will hold on to things less tightly, but more importantly, perhaps, a generosity of spirit, of space and time will begin to emerge, or perhaps a hospitable presence. We will give of ourselves in ways we could never have imagined just a few short years ago. Now, it's likely that at least one of these fruits seems to be native to us. Some people are just kind spirits from the get-go. And those with a spiritual gift of giving are very generous. The self-control of a highly disciplined person probably has more to do with hardwiring than it does with spirit growth. It's different somehow from the self-control of one responding more and more to the nuances of the one growing within us as we dance effortlessly in obedience to the slightest nudge. And just as some people are naturally gentle or faithful, one one or more of these fruits will likely be very hard for us. I really had no clue what joy was until it started showing up in odd times and places. This sense of all being well, regardless what else is going on, 
regardless how I felt. Happiness is dependent on externals. And we can be happy for another person's defeat or another person's humiliation. The fruit of joy is not dependent on things going right according to our ego dictates. It's funny, but I've discovered that if I smile so that the smile really reaches my eyes, I can usually feel joy. I mean, who knew that such a thing was possible? The primary fruit, of course, is love. All the rest are flavor and texture variants. As the love plant grows within us, we care more and more about those things that God cares about. We live and work more and more for the well-being of all of us. The fruit produced from the Christ seed, from the love plant, cannot be counterfeited. We can act nice or begrudgingly give things because we should or put a tight rein on the impatience or the harsh words or put on a forever smile and claim we're fine when we're not. I can preach the best sermon in the world or go out and feed the homeless or give away all my money to good causes. But if I don't have love... I'm a noisy gong and a clanging cymbal and an empty action. If I don't have love, I'm trying to give other people fruit from the me plant. We can fool people, especially those who haven't developed what um, Clarence Jordan referred to as good fruit detectors. He says we're supposed to be good fruit inspectors. And if we haven't learned the nuances of spirit fruit, we can be fooled. But the me plant does not produce fruit that will last. Only the fruit of love will transform a fearful, hurting world. The friends' testimonies come from witnessing the fruit of love in our lives. And as it grows, realizing that there are ways that we have always lived, beliefs that we have never questioned, attitudes that seem perfectly normal to us, that all of a sudden threaten further growth of the spirit plant in our lives. Early friends realized that they could not continue to grow in love and kill other people or own other people. We can't continue to grow in love and live frenetic, distracted lives, our simplicity testimony claims. I've been convicted in the last couple of years of using the word hate. If my focus is love, I have to attend to the ways that my language calls the opposite into being and have to choose to avoid doing it as much as possible. You know, I really hate how hard it is to be aware that my very language can undermine love growth in my life. Doing 
our share of the pruning work is a learning process that we just simply don't master overnight. So how do we produce this fruit? We don't. If we're focused on the fruit, we're attending to our own perfection, to our own salvation projects. Me focus of any sort produces me fruit. We have to turn our eyes toward God and keep turning our eyes back to God. And that is our work. Any form of prayer, any means of God attention is a form of turning, choosing goodness, choosing to do the right thing or the most loving thing is a form of turning. Being aware of the word hate before it mindlessly jumps out of my mouth is a form of turning. We just keep turning back to God. And like my little persimmon tree, one day we'll look up and be surprised when we notice new spirit growth. Then we say, thank you. And of course, I'm tempted to say, look what I did. And we're so funny. We people are so funny. Laughing lovingly at ourselves when we do see it is a form of turning. Of course, the more we notice spirit fruit in our lives, the more we will see the places where it isn't growing yet. When the me tree looms large and anger or fear or despair or impatience just seem to be the best that we can do. We simply ask God to prune the me tree, the ego tree. If we try to fight the anger or the despair or the fear head on, we give it energy. Fighting it will never work. Only love, only love will change it. Instead of trying to root out those weeds in ourselves, we simply turn again Godward and with God's help and grace. We continue whatever practices help put down roots into love. And one day, love fruit will abound where we had only seen its dearth. Do we know what kind of fruit we are producing? In some ways, that isn't even our business. Our business is to keep turning back to the one who is love, to keep our eyes focused Godward, to get ourselves out of the way enough that love can flow through us and heal the world around us.